0: Ecclesiastes, we're in our series on Weighed Down, uh, Let Go and Let God. Now, this series has been an interesting series because we're looking at, remember, Hebrews says that we are to run our race. Every one of us here this morning has a race that has been designed by God and we're to run. And the writer of Hebrews says we're to run this race with, with patience or endurance. Now, in order to do that, he says you've got to throw off two things sin and weights in and weights. And so we are in a spiritual weight loss program that have been going on about four weeks now. We've been looking at things. I, I was telling the early service this morning that, you know, it's amazing how much money is spent in research and development from the track and field side of things in sports, how much money they spend on research and development. They, they will look at every type of fiber, uh, every type of, of twine or yarn or, or whatever it is that they use making their their outfits, if you will, uh, uniforms or whatever you want to call them, because they're looking for a product that creates less friction when they run. Same thing with swimmers. They're looking for the lightweight fabric. They're looking for things that when you're swimming in the water, that it reduces the friction created by swimming. And so they spend a lot of money uh, doing that. I, I, I was joking this morning. It's amazing to me. I see people that run with weighted vase, v- uh, vests, and I'm thinking, I'm carrying more weight than, why would I add more weight to my run, Right? Now, if you're one of those, I'm not picking on you, just to me, I got enough weight, I don't need to add more to carry. Uh, but we're talking about losing weight, getting rid of things, and so uh, this, so that we can run efficiently and effectively. This morning, we're going to be looking, about, looking at greed. Everybody say greed. Greed. It's going to be a painful one this morning. <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter 2, uh, we're going to jump right in, verse number 4. This is very familiar, I think, to most people. Uh, this, Solomon writes these words, he said, I made... I made my works great, I built myself houses, I planted myself vineyards, I made, notice this, myself, it's all myself, I made myself gardens and orchards and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them, I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove, I acquired male and female servants, I had had servants born in my house, yes I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me, that's a lot. He goes on, I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasure of kings and of the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Always marveled at that. His wisdom remained with him. Whatever, notice what he says, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them, I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and all this was my reward from all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done, on the labor in which I had toiled, and indeed all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Now again, if we're going to run our race, and again, I think 2023, is one of those, I believe God is reaching out to the church to say, hey, get back in the race. You know, the church got distracted by many things, and I think there are a lot of churches today that are, that are distracted by uh, many things. I, I, listen, I look out here this morning, and you hear me say it all the time. Every one of these chairs represents a soul for whom Christ died, and we're charged with reaching. It ought to be the mission of the church. Our job is not building the church. Our job is build the kingdom. He builds the church. So while we're building the kingdom, God builds the church. And if you keep that priority, you'll see God doing what God wants to do. And we're talking about genuine growth. Not, uh, anyway, I'm not going to chase that rabbit. I won't. Um, but we've got to run our, our race efficiently and effectively. And, and again, we're talking about getting rid of weights, those things that slow us down, those things that encumber or hold us back from being who God created us to be. You've got to remember that weights are not necessarily sinful. Now, they can be, but they're not necessarily sinful um, a, a weight could be a certain mindset that you have that prevents you from being who God created you to be. Now, in my 30-plus years of pastoring, I, I can tell you I've run across many people that felt like God wanted them to do something, but they battled with an inferiority complex. You know, they say things like, why me? I mean, I, I don't have any talent, or I'm not smart enough, or I'm not capable. And there are people that really, really struggle with that, uh, that sit in our churches week after week, that's a mindset that holds you back. That's a mindset that would be a, a weight that would encumber your journey that God has put you on. You know, we've looked at very beginning, we looked at unforgiveness uh, as a huge weight. Listen, if you're holding unforgiveness in your heart against somebody, you need to let it go. Amen. You, you need to let it go because it will eat you alive from the inside out. We, look at, we looked at the story of Ahithophel and how he burned with rage and, and bitterness and unforgiveness against David, and it cost him his life. Then we looked at worry, okay? Anybody remember worry? I was worried you wouldn't remember. No, just. So we talked about worry and how negative worry can affect us, and then last week we looked at anger. Every one of us has two natures on the inside, right? I have this sweet, docile David banner, and if you push my buttons, then the Hulk comes out. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> so we have those two natures, and, and I said that in order to get rid of that weight, we've got to learn how to control that anger, and God gives us the, the help. Now this morning, as I said, we're going to talk about greed. Greed is an interesting thing. This text, I love this text, it comes from a book. Now understand, this book is entirety, in its entirety is about greed. This entire book is about greed. Uh, Solomon, the wise and skillful son of King David, strayed from God and he began to search for something to fill the void that's left within. Listen, God created us to have a relationship with him. When man sinned in the garden, the thing that was severed, you know, God said in the day that you do this, you will surely die. The thing that severed, uh, that, that affected all humanity was the relationship with God. Because prior to the fall, God would come down in the cool of the evening and He would fellowship with man. He had communion with them. But when the fall, when they sinned, God could not look on sin. And so that relationship was severed. And it's still severed. And so he, But He created us to have a relationship. And that's what Christ is coming and I don't have time to get into all of that. But that's what He came for, is to repair the breach so that I could have a relationship. So the first dimension is how I relate to God. This is important. Because if this is not right, this won't be right. Whether it's a husband-wife relationship, a friendship relationship, parent-child relationship, if you are not walking in covenant relationship with God, this is not going to be right. Oh, you might have good days and good times, but it's not going to be as fulfilling as what God wants it to be or designed it to be. So what happened is Solomon, with all of his wisdom and all of his wealth, decided he didn't need God anymore. This is just my interpretation of it. He, he started looking at other places, and you know what happened? It created a void on the inside. And the more, he was em- the more empty he felt, the more he reached for stuff. The more he reached for stuff. He withheld nothing from his search. Uh, and in the end, I love what he said. He said, you know what, in the end, it's pointless. In the end, every bit of my pursuit was pointless. He spent most of his life chasing after things that don't really matter. And again, from what he says in our text, he probably wished he had done things differently. He spent the entire, his entire life looking for the next purchase or the next, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for, acquisition. And he said, when I look back over my life, it was, it was vanity and vexation of spirit. Steve Jobs one time said it like this. He said, you know, being the richest man in the cemetery really doesn't amount to much. That's pretty good right there. I mean, think about it. You might have a better tombstone than everybody else or our grave marker, but you're still in the ground like everybody else. Greed is probably one of the, and that's why I said it's painful, this is probably one of the more acceptable sins in our culture today. Our society is structured around greed. I mean, know that? Our society is structured around greed. It teaches us to be greedy. Dennis the Menace one time said, holding a, he was looking at a Christmas catalog, And he said this. He said, this catalog's got a lot more toys that I didn't even know I wanted. (laughs) And isn't that the way society is? Always presenting us something that we should have in order to find peace. Greed is a, what is greed? Greed is a longing for more and more and more. It's never being satisfied, never being content, never being fulfilled with your station in life. Chuck Chuck Swindoll tells a story about a little girl who goes shopping with her mother. And they go to this little country store and the mom completes the purchase, and the, and the store clerk looks at the little girl and says, Well, sweetheart, you can reach into the candy jar and get you a handful of candy. Well, this little girl, sheepishly and shyly, gets behind her mother's dress and kind of peeks around. And the, and the store clerk says, Well, sweetheart, don't you like candy? And she smiled and nodded, Yes, sir, I do. And so the store clerk reaches in and grabs a big old handful and plops it in her hand. She gets in the car to go home. And her mother looks at her and says, well, sweetheart, you've never, you've never been shy before. When he asked you about getting some candy, why didn't you get some candy? The little girl said, because his hands are bigger than mine. <laughs> <laughs> Smart girl, right? <laughs> Smart girl. This little boy standing in a, gro- in a convenience store, and he's got his hands behind his back, and he's, he's backing up to the candy display. And the old clerk there was watching him. Thought, uh-huh, I'm about to catch me a shoplifter. Finally, the old man couldn't stand it any longer. He looked at the little boy and said, boy, are you trying to steal some candy? The little boy said, no, sir, I'm trying not to. (laughs) That's that's what greed does, right? And and here's the thing. Greed is not primarily about money. It's not about money. I mean, it can take that form, but it can come in many different kinds. Uh, You can be greedy about anything. You can be greedy about your time. You can be greedy about your talents. And you can be greedy about your possessions, So greed is not just about one thing. A lot of times you start talking about greed, everybody says, okay, here comes a sermon on money. Now greed covers so much more than just money. Solomon spent most of his life in pursuit of fulfillment. Greed drove him to lavish upon himself anything that he put his heart to, and yet at the end of of the day, he said it's all worthless. It's all worthless. See, that's the danger of this excess weight is it drives us to compete. It drives us to to spend, to buy, to accumulate. And in the end, it does not matter. I tried singing to the early service. I don't do very well. But there used to be a song we sang in the church that said something like this, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. See, for me, I'm content with that. I'm content in that bright land where I'll never grow old. Hallelujah. Thank you. Some of you are ready there, too. I've got a mansion that's my priority my priority is not the here and now my priority is storing up the treasure so that when i get there it's already ready for me see we spend our lives in pursuit of something and here's the thing about greed is it it promises us something that's always out of our reach you ever notice that you get this mindset the society says if you own this or buy this you'll be happy and content so what do you do you buy it and you know what you think okay And it doesn't do what it said it's going to do. It's always out of reach. It's just around the corner. It's kind of like uh, the curse of Oak Island. It's been on for 50 years and they still ain't found nothing. (laughs) I'm sorry if that's your show. (laughs) Jesus understood the dangers of greed and and he weighed in on it. Here's what he said in Luke chapter 12. He gives us a double warning. Luke chapter 12 verse 15, Jesus said, beware and guard. So when he gives you a double, a double warning, you know that there's something to what he's about to say. Beware and guard against every kind of greed. See, kind it comes in many different kinds. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Another version says, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Again, by the way, Jesus is not against you having stuff. He's against stuff having you. That's that's the difference right there. Again, understand greed is not primarily about being rich. Not primarily about being rich at all. Bill Hybels, in fact, says that some of the greediest people in the world he's ever met are people who have very little. He said, but what they do is they spend all of their waking hours scheming, fantasizing, strategizing on how to to get more money and how to live a a, a better life lavish lifestyle they it is the pursuit of their heart and of their mind it is the desire that tops every other desire i was i told a story when i was back in the 90s when the texas lotto came out i was working for the city of irving i remember a story about a a man that when it came out and you could tell he's probably one of these guys here uh he cashed his check his pay his work check and he goes to the store and he spends his entire paycheck on lottery scratch-offs. And then he set out in his car, and he scratched off those lottery tickets, and he did not win enough to cover his check that he just spent. So what does he do? He goes into the store, and he robs the store, and then he spends however long in jail. That happened right here in North Texas. See, greed drives us to do things that we do not do. See, the reality is greed again is not just a money issue. We can be greedy, uh, uh, greedy about anything. Our society always is telling us that, that more that having more is the key to happiness, that spending is the answer to our depression. And so we are conditioned to want more and to buy more. And again, Jesus said, Hey, beware and be on guard. This mindset tells us to, to, to buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. It tells us to, to, to try to keep up with the Joneses, but we don't understand. They've refinanced twice. You're still in the hole. It's that insatiable desire that never stops. You don't know contentment. You don't know joy in what you have because you're always looking for that next thing. So why does Jesus give us this warning about greed? Well, I'll tell you a couple things. Number one, because greed deceives. Again, greed, it presents. It, again, if we're going to run our race efficiently, then we've got to set our sights on something other than my next purchase or my next acquisition. The Bible says, I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. I've got to catch sight of something that's greater than the next buy. Greed deceives us. It, it, it presents this false notion that encourages us to earn more than we need so we can buy more than we use. I mean, think about what's one of the number one growing industries today, Storage buildings. How many of you tried to call a storage building recently and get a storage unit? They're not to be had. Why? Because they're all rented out. Why? Because people got stuff. And our stuff has stuff. We can't put our car in our garage because our garages are full. And we can't get anything in the attic because the attic's full. And the shed's full. So what do we do? We get a storage unit. Again, I'm, I, I'm just, that's just kind of the reality of where we are. It's amazing to me. Listen, if you haven't used that thing in five years, probably need to get rid of it. As soon as you do, though, you're going to need it, right? <laughs> hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. I understand. Listen, greed deceives us into believing that just a little more will satisfy. It promises things that it can never deliver on. It's a vicious cycle. You know, we're told to buy certain things to feel a certain way, but once we do, those feelings fade. The thrill is gone, and we're right back in the same Place that we were before, and the cycle begins all over. Some of you are, have been with me a long time, and you remember back in the late '90s and early 2000s, I traded cars a lot. No vanity, I, I, no, no vanity in me whatsoever. I just, I just like new car smell. And so, about every six months, I would trade cars because, again, I like the new car smell. When the smell wore out, I wanted to trade it and get another one that smelled good. Somebody came along with a freshener; it smells like a new car. Man, that my life's heaven right there had a car dealer in the church called me up one day, and he came over, and he said, hey, I want to show you something. And he put pen and paper to what I was doing, and he showed me on paper exactly what I was doing, and I'd like to pass out. Because, see, I buy this car, because, see, they want to tell me that, hey, you can finance it for like 120 months, and we'll get your payments down to 495 Well, no, nobody has a $495 car payment. I saw the thing the other day. said the average car payment is $1,000 a month. <laughs> I'm telling you. Whew. He said, look at what you're doing. So, so I finance this car, and I'm paying more for a car that's not worth what I'm paying for, but because I'm in the hole from my previous car, I never catch up. He said, Pastor, you'll never get ahead. And I stopped it. I stopped it. I said, Lord, take that. Take it away. And he did. Now if I trade, it's, it's, it's all practical, because Sheila goes through those times I have to Anyway, you don't understand what I'm talking about. That's what it promises. That If you get, if you get the next, it's like the commercial that says, if, you know, this guy shows this guy buying a brand new computer, the newest out there, and he's putting it in his car, and he looks up, and they're on the billboard changing the advertisement to the computer that's replacing his. Always outside of my reach. Always promising, but never delivering. You know, think about all the Christmas uh, must-haves from the past. How many remember things like pet rocks? Some of the younger generation there was a thing called pet rocks, and actually you bought those pet rocks. You didn't pick them up in the grass. You know, pet rocks, cabbage patch dolls, beanie babies, furbies, game boys. How about this one? Tickle me elmo. I mean, there are plenty more, but I mean those were a few. I mean, how many of us can remember? The fist fights. I mean, it was almost like a daily thing on the news. People getting in fist fights because somebody took the last Cabbage Patch Kid. Those things were ugly anyway. <laughs> or the last Tickle Me Elmo. I mean, over a stupid toy. People coming to blows over a toy because we long for something that we believe will bring a thrill to us. And when the thrill is gone, guess what? We long for something else. So what happens? The Tickle Me Elmo is not giggling anymore. In fact, he's on the top shelf between the salad shooter, the vegematic, and the buns of steel. <laughs> that's where it, that's where it is. Greed is deceptive. It promises things, it promises happiness, and it always leaves us wanting. It, it it goes to the question how much is enough? And the answer is always a little more. A little more. Number two, greed leads to other sins. Paul writing in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says this, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful things, and they plunge men into ruin and destruction. Why? For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, notice what he said there. It's the love of money, not the possession of money. He's not against people being wealthy. I, I was in the Dominican Republic this last week meeting. Uh, we had a meeting with the International Builders, uh, Builders International, which is our the construction arm of the Assemblies of God missions. And uh, I met some businessmen who were extremely, multi, multi, I mean, they're way up there wealthy, but they had open pockets. They love giving to the work of the Lord. They found generosity, combats greed, and they were... They were willing, and, and see, God's not against people having money, not at all. He's against you making that your life's pursuit, the desire of your heart. First Kings chapter 21 tells the story about King Ahab. Anybody remember that story? King Ahab wanted a particular piece of property, wanted this vineyard. The only problem was it was owned by somebody else, and he goes and asks him to sell it, and the man said, no, it's been in my family a long time. So what's that, what does King Ahab do? He gets depressed. He's sitting there pouting because he couldn't have what he wanted. So his wife comes in, Jezebel, and like, what's up with you? And he's like, well, Naboth told me, I, you know, and just kind of, can't you hear him whining? I wanted that field." He told me, I, you know, and he's just whining to her. So what does she do? Well, she has, him, she has Naboth falsely accused of blasphemy and treason and put to death. So greed, so, so what did Ahab do? He seized the property. So what did greed do? Greed gave birth to lying, to murder, and to theft. But you say, well, that's an Old Testament story. Well, okay, go to the book of Acts. How many of you have ever heard the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Okay, they sell a piece of property. And they said, we gave all the money to the, to the Lord's work. Now understand, it wasn't wrong of them to keep some of the proceeds for themselves. Nowhere in Scripture, in fact, there's only one place in Scripture where Jesus said, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. Only one time. So he's not against you keeping proceeds from what you but what he is against is lying. And they were judged when they said, we have sold, we've given everything to the church. What happened to them? They dropped dead on the spot and were carried out of the church. Not because they held back some of the proceeds, but because they lied to the Holy Spirit. It happens. There was a poll conducted several years ago, so I'm sure it's changed. And the poll asked the question what would the average American do for $2 million? Again, this is dated, so I know the percentages have changed, changed some. 25% said they would abandon their family for $2 million. I don't know if you saw, I was down here praying before service, and as I got up, I felt this pop, and I look around, and it's my granddaughter, and she just grabbed me in a big hug, and I hugged and kissed on her. I would not take $2 million for that. I would not take $2 million for that. 23% of those who answered that poll said they would become a prostitute for a week, 16% said they would leave their spouse. I'm not saying anything. (laughs) 3% said they would give up their children for adoption. Now, I've seen some of the kids, I thought it would be higher, okay? I really did. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. (laughs) That's bad. Jesus, forgive me, I'm sorry. 8%, listen to this one, 8% said they would surgically have a limb removed for $2 million. See, that's what greed does. That surgically, I'm going to cut off an arm or a leg so I can get $2 million. Greed is that door that leads from small sins to bigger sins. Greed is the mother of all sins because it it gives birth to all manner of uncontrolled desires. Number three, greed blinds. Greed causes us to look past what really is important and focus on insignificant things. Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Because ro- rust and moth, moths, bugs, get it? <laughs> That's what I said. Don't store it up. What do you say do? Send it on ahead. That's what he, Send it on ahead. Listen, there are some things money can buy. There's a lot of things money can't buy. Years ago, I started telling my adult children and my grandkids, I'm like, you know what? When it comes to my birthday, anniversary, stuff like that, don't give me stuff, give me moments. Give me moments. Because those moments, stuff will fade away, stuff will lose its thrill, stuff will be just stuff you put in a garage or a rented storage building. (laughs) But moments carry you the rest of your life. My wife was able to accompany me this past week on this trip and by the way, her traveling, traveling with me, with her, it's not easy. If you know, it's not. It's very difficult. In fact, when we got ready to leave to go to the airport on, on Friday, uh, or yesterday, sorry, yesterday, the vehicle they brought over to transport us to the airport was not a car, it was a bus with three steps. Now, my wife can't take one step. And so I'm thinking, okay. So I did a derrick. So my son-in-law, you know, he'll he'll just throw her over his shoulder and he'll just carry her. (laughs) So so I I told Sheila I said, all right, hang on, sweetheart, I'm going to have to do a derrick on you, and and so I bent down, and I got her out of the wheelchair and I tossed her over my shoulder, and I'm holding on. Guess what she's doing, by the way? Yeah, she's she's cackling, man. I'm telling you. (laughs) And and I'm going up the stairs. And I find, you know, I get up there and I get her in her seat, you know, and she's still laughing, her glasses fell off, her shoe came off, you know. <laughs> and it's kind of funny watching the interactions, people getting on that bus after we got on there, and, and uh, one of the missionary friends of mine, a good friend of mine uh, that I've known for many years at the airport, he came up to me and said, hey, there are a lot of people asking about you, and, and Sheila just kind of wanted to know a little bit of your story. And I said, well, uh, uh, I said, well, you know, it's, it's very difficult to travel with her. I said, but here's the thing. These are things that we'll car- I will carry. If, if the Lord were to take her home tomorrow, I'm not going to have memory of the stuff that I bought her. I'm going to have memory of the experiences that we have together. And I said, that's stuff that money can't buy. And that's what I want to live my life for. And yeah, I might, you know, I, I joke about being the mule. I, know, I, I feel like I know what a mule does, except she don't beat me, okay? <laughs> she might want to every once in a while, but she doesn't beat me. You know, but but that's what I'm talking about. See, greed doesn't let you see that. Greed doesn't let you see what you have because it's got you focused on what you don't have. Again, greed causes people to work longer hours, take fewer days off to make money, but in the end, they're not happy. They're not happy. Yeah, they bring home larger paychecks, but they live shallower lives because it doesn't do what it says it's going to do. If we're not careful... We can become more concerned about our cars, our houses, our furniture, our popularity, our paychecks, all the earthly successes, and miss out on those incredible moments that Jesus gives to us every day. Greed blinds us. Lastly, greed can lead us to push God out of our lives. Greed is a form of coveting, by the way. Its cousins are envy and covetousness. I was telling her to serve. I love to to fish on Cedar Creek Lake, beautiful lake. Big Lake, lots of nice houses over there. Uh, in fact, if you ever had been on TV and watched the Texas Hammer, you know the lawyer. He's got a big house there. I fished his dock before. <laughs> the owners of Abercrombie and Fitch that used to—they uh, don't any longer—but they used to own a big place there. And every time I'd get off the lake, I'd have to go to my prayer closet and repent. <laughs> These big—I'm ha- like, man, their boat. I'd live in their boat house. Just so nice over there. And I'd just repent, but then I'd think about, I've got a mansion (laughs) just over the hilltop because it doesn't motivate me anymore. You know, that's not what my pursuit of life is. See, covet, if greed causes a, it's a form of coveting which violates the 10th commandment. Martin Luther said it like this whatever your heart clings to and relies on, that properly is your God. Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and mammon. Can't have to. You can't have two masters and we have people that sit in our churches today that are that are in a competition to accumulate more stuff listen uh, again Billy Graham said it best I've never seen a U-Haul pulling uh, excuse me a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer at the end of our lives it's not how many things you've accumulated it's how many lives have you impacted how many experiences have you enjoyed again if we break the 10th commandment by coveting then it's not going to be very long until we start breaking the first commandment, which is thou shalt have no other God before me. We start following the God of mammon, possessions and materials. When that rich young ruler came to Jesus in Luke 18, he wanted to know how to find eternal life. Jesus said, you know what? Here's what you need, man. Told him what he needed to do. And he said, you know what? I've done all of that. I've done all of that all of my life. I've been an upright individual. So Jesus said, you know what? You lack one thing. That was it. See, this man wanted to go to heaven. And Jesus said, you got one obstacle to get it to go into heaven. And he said, here's what it is. Go sell everything that you own, give it to the poor, and then heaven will be your destination. You know what the Bible said that he did? The Bible said he went away sad. See, there was something about Jesus able to see past this man's outer facade, and he saw that this man had another God. And it was his stuff. And when the man says, hey, I want to I go to heaven, what do I need to get to heaven? Jesus looked past all of that superficiality of religiosity, and he said, you know what? You, you, are, you are serving the God of greed. Go sell it all and give it to the poor, and then you'll have your name written. And the man could not do it. He could not do it. If he truly put God first in his life, he wouldn't have had a problem. And again, Jesus only asked that one time, one time. He's not telling you to go sell everything. He's not, he's just saying, look, don't let the stuff of this world dominate who you are. Greed kept him from following Jesus, and it will do the same thing for you. Proverbs 30, I love this prayer. Proverbs 38, 9 says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. In other words, he said, let me find that place of contentment. So how do I handle it? How do I get rid of this excess weight? Number one, admit it's an issue. Admit it it's an issue. If, 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 if your desire is on the next purchase or the next acquisition, you know what? That, that's dangerous. Ask God, God, help me. Generosity is an, is an antidote to that. Years ago, Sheila and I started praying, Lord, give us a generous spirit. Help us to learn what generosity is all about. In my 30 years of ministry here, and I'm saying this for illustrative purposes nothing else, But we've opened our home up twice and given away our furniture to people that needed furniture. Given away two cars because people needed an automobile. And again, I'm not saying that in a a braggadocious way. Please don't read into that. I'm just simply saying, I asked years ago for God to give me a spirit of generosity. And you know what? He's done that. He's done that. I, uh, I, uh, I was joking with Sheila. I saw a deal the other day about some guy doing something. And I said, man, I would love to be filthy rich. And she just looked at me and said, wow, you'd give it all away. (laughs) I said, well, I'd have fun giving it away, though. (laughs) That's the thing. I'd have fun giving it away. You know, admit it's an issue. You see, we can't overcome what we refuse to acknowledge. Can't. Greed is very subtle. It doesn't come across as as something that's sinful. One of the reasons that that we're commanded to bring the tithe into the storehouse is because it is an antidote to greed. By giving to the Lord 10% of my earnings, I'm saying, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm trusting you. And it's an antidote to greed. It helps me keep things in priority. Again, it helps uh, keep those things in priority, uh, in in perspective. Ask God to reveal how often you find yourself planning, scheming, dreaming uh, for ways to get more and more and more. And then ask God to touch your heart. Be on guard, Jesus said. If you constantly think about getting more, confess it to God and ask Him to change your heart. Number two, we expose the lies. Remember, greed promises more than it ever delivers. It's kind of like sin, you know, the the sin analogy. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and it'll cost you more than you ever want to pay. Ask God to help you to expose the lies of greed, that insatiable promise of more and more and more, and yet it never delivering on any of it. Why by, uh, listen, it 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 delivers, so. why buy into that? Uh, If if getting more made us happy, we'd be the happiest people on the earth. I've been to Cuba five times. Those people make less than $2 a day. But their services are some of the most powerful services I've ever been in my life. They stand in line every day to get their daily sustenance from the government, which normally consists of maybe a loaf of French bread, maybe a couple cans of beans or rice, a little thing of rice. And they're in there saying, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And I'm like, wow. Wow, we, we throw away way more than they consume. And we bellyache. Eh, I'm not going there. Jesus said, you know what? Here on earth, moth, the moth and the, and the rust destroy. That's the greed's deception. Paul said in Philippians 4, 2, 12, he said, I know how to live with almost nothing. And I also know how to live with more than enough. I know what it's like to have my stomach growling from hunger pains, and I know what it's like to be full. He said, but you know what? In every one of those scenarios, I have learned one thing, contentment. God, teach us. Whether we have plenty or... Listen, there always will be somebody that has more than you. They'll drive better cars. They'll dress better than you. They'll go to nicer places than you. There will always be that way. You know what? Be content with where God has you. Because you know what? One day when you stand at the bema of Christ, I think about one of the... To me, one of the greatest rewards that's going to be given at the bema." is the lady that Jesus spoke of when the offering was taken and she walked down and she dropped her two mites in. In fact, it was so significant that Jesus, whoa, wait a minute. He said, guys, come on over here. There's something going on here. Everybody had given out of their excess. This lady had given all she had. And Jesus said, whoa, that's it, man. That's, she's got it. I believe that she will be at the front of the line and will have great reward because of her generosity of giving to the Lord. She wasn't encumbered by the stuff of this world. She was free with Jesus to take everything. Listen, learn how to live, be content. Lastly is this. Guys, come on back. Learn how to trust God. That's it. Man's fall in the garden. Here's here's what happened in the Garden of Eden. It was a direct challenge to trust God's Word. That, That was it. The conflict in Eden was a direct challenge to God's Word. The serpent place that doubt by saying, did God say? Did God say? See, to get rid of that greed, that spirit of greed that's so prevalent in our culture today, we got to learn how to trust God. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. He said, so don't worry. I preached on this not long ago. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. These things dominate. Here's what he said. They dominate the thought of the unbelievers. But your heavenly Father knows that you have needs. So what do he say, Matthew 6, 33? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you as well. That is an eternal promise from God that he will take care of his own. So why do I worry? Greed leads us to distrust God in his word. Philippians 4, 19. My God shall supply half of my needs. No, God will supply all of my needs. According to His riches and glory, greed leads us to believe we can't trust God, but we can trust Him. Won't you stand with me this morning? I know this is a little different from some that we've preached. I preached on the last couple of weeks. Next week I'll wrap up this series, and then we're going to go right into another series. That's going to we're talking about taking out some attitudes. Now we're going to go in and talk about replacing attitudes. How many of you know somebody need an attitude adjustment? <laughs> yeah. So, listen to lose the excess weight we've got to understand we have a storehouse in heaven it's a place that you and I can send our deposits listen again it's not wrong to have nice things don't go out here saying well Pastor Mike said I couldn't have nice things Pastor Mike said I couldn't have any money no Pastor Mike didn't say that it's not wrong to have stuff it's wrong for stuff to have you that's where the problem is and that's what greed does it's, it's wrong to rely on our wealth to take care of us instead of to trust God in His providential care. It's a strong temptation because it's everywhere in our culture. You can't turn the television on and watch any type of advertisements without there being some sort of push for you to buy something. And they always start out with, do you want to be happy? Do you want to be fulfilled? Then for $29.99 for the rest of your life, pay this and you can have it. Listen to me, don't believe them, it's a lie. Because there have been way too many people that have bought into it. So this morning as they sing, again, prayer is important. The reason we start praying for one another and before service is because, again, there's so many people that are fearful of prayer, and and the only way that you can combat that is to start praying. Start praying. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. And if you're here today and you have an unhealthy obsession with buying and purchasing and toys that are way beyond your just essential needs maybe you say lord tame my desires let it all be about you like that song says jesus it's you i'll sing of your love i can't get enough it's all about you that's the proper perspective so, when I, when they, as they sing, would you come this morning and say, you know you what, know, lay down and say, Lord, you know what, I got this unhealthy passion or, or, or the compulsion to always buy. I'm going to slow that down, and I want you to change my heart. Give me contentment. Let me learn to be content. Go ahead.
1: Trading your crown for a cross. Willingly died. If you need Innocent prayer for anything, I want you to come as well.
0: It don't box. have to be about the sermon. If you need prayer for anything, please come. Come on, let's learn to pray, church. Let's learn to pray. Counting Give it to God.
1: As nothing.
0: Thank you, Jesus. The
1: King of all kings came to serve. Washing my feet, covering me with your love. if all of you means less of me take everything yes all of you is all i need take everything Your feet, my desires and dreams have me. Take home.
0: your guest this morning you just heard a message of tongues and interpretation as Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 he gives us ministry gifts to correct to instruct to encourage what a timely word because I I go back and it's all about Jesus pursue him in every work of his hand you see. If you pursue the work of His hand, you miss out on who He is. Pursue Him, you get everything. This week, make it a priority. Jesus only. Lord, give me more of you, less of me. Hunger for more. Listen, our area needs Jesus. Not another flash in the pan, not another show. Just a place where Jesus speaks to us. Where Jesus connects with our brokenness. I told the early service, so often times in life we we oftentimes see the back of the tapestry and we see all the fragmented strings, the different colors that are jumbled and make no sense. And sometimes life, that's exactly what happens in our life. A lot of things are jumbled together, and they make no sense. But when you turn it around, you see this beautiful masterpiece that the master has made. And that's what he's doing for us. We're getting off the plane last night, and I'll tell you this, and we'll dismiss. We're getting off the plane late last night, about 9 o'clock. and We're sitting there waiting, we have to wait until everybody gets off the plane so they can bring an aisle chair to get us off someone that i knew came from the back of the plane and as they passed uh, as they passed where we were seated he just said hey pastor be blessed man good to see you got off the plane a flight attendant standing there she said so you're a pastor and i said yes ma'am she said what's the verse of the day i thought okay what uh, you know what day (laughs) i said well it really depends she said what's your verse i said well it really depends and i felt like the lord dropped this into my spirit I said, Romans eight twenty eight, and we know all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to, a pur- to His purpose. Her eyes popped. She sat down. She said, can I talk to you a minute? And for the next however long it took everybody to get off the plane, she began to talk about what was going on in her life. She had gotten up early that day, went from Phoenix to Philadelphia, from Philadelphia to the Dominican Republic, and then from the Dominican Republic to Dallas. She shared with me the things that were going on in her life. And I said, You know, the good thing is that God takes those broken, fragmented pieces. And we may not be able to see what He's doing. I said, But when He gets to the finished product, it's a vessel unto honor. And that right now, what doesn't seem to fit, it's like trying to jam a piece of puzzle that doesn't fit. But if you will keep working at it, it'll fit here, and this will fit here, and this will fit here. And then one day we'll be able to look at the picture and think, ah, there I have it. Listen, when you pursue Jesus, he takes those incidences of life, those puzzles that don't fit, and he puts them right where they belong. Because his picture is one he has in mind, not what we see. And when he's done, we step back and we marvel. Like, wow, where did that come from? Listen, go in His grace. Today, go walk in His grace. Walk in His new mercies every day and love Jesus. Take the whole world, but give me Jesus. That's the answer. Father, today, I love you so much. Lord, help us with our hands extended to touch you, to grab hold of you. Nothing else will do. Lord, may we tune out the peripheral demands, the desires that our world preaches and may we just say give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Help us to walk with that focus. Help us to minister the outflow of our life. Let, me, let us be a conduit, not a reservoir. Pour into us what we pour out to others. And Lord, keep it coming. Keep it coming. Fill us to the overflow. Go with us today. May we walk in your complete victory. Lord, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. All that rise up against us will fall. May we walk in your strength and in your power and in your love. Lord, and I thank you for what you're going to do as we walk in honor of you. Give us a great day today. Bless our food and the time together in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you again. I love you very much. God bless you.